Welcome to the Queens of Moxie, a podcast all about empowering women to reclaim their moxie, their power. I'm Mary Kay Campbell, and I'm the host of this program. Each week, we'll talk with amazing women who have reclaimed their moxie, overcome challenges, and are living their best life. So let's get started. Today, we are here with Mindy Sofer, who is a very, very dear friend of mine. I've known her more than 20 years, um, and so it's hard to believe. Um, and so what I'd like to do first is just introduce you all to her so you can, can get just a high-level snapshot of who she is. Uh, she went to undergrad at Wittenberg University in Ohio, majoring in political science, and she minored in sociology. Then she got her master's from Bowling Green in Bowling Green, Ohio, and it was then titled Student Personnel, but now it's Higher Ed Administration. She has been a college professor for almost 40 years and an advisor for more than 40 years for the Greek system and an academic advisor for about 25 years. Um, she is also a four-time, well, really a five-time cancer survivor and is just one of the most remarkable women I have ever known in my entire life. And it is an absolute privilege to have you here with us today, Mindy. So welcome. So first, I'd like to ask you, Mindy, why did you decide to get into higher education? Oh, that's really great, Mary Kay. Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, one of my students asked me that question the other day, and I love going down that path, literally that path. I was born in a little town in Pennsylvania, and my first home was right next to a college campus, Grove City College, which is a small private liberal arts school in Western Pennsylvania. And our home was actually right next to a, a softball field and their beautiful trail that went up the hill to get onto the campus and over a rainbow bridge and through lots of uh, flora and bunny rabbits, fauna, um, flora and fauna on the way. And when I was little, the, my mom would put me in the stroller and we would stroll in the little paths and around the college campus. So I truly believe that that was my home and uh, I grew up there. My father came back from Korea and went to college. So he was in school when I was in my formative years studying accounting and just living right there and being so much a part of it. My father came back from the war and joined a fraternity on top of that. So his fraternity brothers were in our home. Um, he was the only one that was married. So he had them over for dinner and um, I just got to know a lot of people. My church, actually church family, it's a Presbyterian school and I went to the Presbyterian church and a lot of the people in the church were associated with the college as professors or administrators or attending. Um, so it was just kind of like growing up there. So it made perfect sense to me. And I think it was a, a heart kind of draw. Plus my own personal experience at Wittenberg was just amazing. And I had wonderful administrators and amazing faculty members that helped me out. And it just seemed like the right thing to do. The funny part was my mom said from the time I was little that I should be a teacher. And I was like, no, no, that's not me. Uh -uh. I'm going to be a lawyer. So uh, I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. And yeah, I may 
go to law school before I die. Um, and I may not, but I'm just, it's organic for me. Long story short, sorry. No, I think it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Now, tell us a little bit about what working with these young adults in these very formative years means to you. And then we're going to get a little bit into some of the things and accolades that you have received as a result of this. So don't think you're off the hook with that one, Mindy. Okay. Well, because you're my friend, you know, so I can't fib to you, but um, the microcosm that is a college or university campus, the microcosm of the rest of the world with the intention of growth is attractive to me because I can see a lot of that growth occur. And that keeps me going because I have a lot of hope in the future. I also would let you know that you're a parent. I pray for parents and teachers every day uh, because if younger students aren't grown and educated by good quality teachers, a lot of opportunities are lost. And if parents um, don't have the ability or the time or whatever to grow the values and um, the habit of learning in those young people, um, again, time lost. So uh, I don't have children of my own. And this is one way that I can help make the world a better place uh, to teach the young people of today. Plus, here's the real kicker. I probably learned twice as much from them as they could ever learn from me. And I'm a lifetime learner. And I I just learned some really cool stuff in class today, as a matter of fact, from my students. So that's where it comes from. It's very rewarding. It, it is. And, and having taught with you at NC State, I know that uh, I've seen the way students respect you and love you. And if you had to guess, how many weddings do you think you've been invited to? <laughs> it's seven. And I got two more in the mail yesterday when I got home. Seven this summer, they're going to bankrupt me, I swear. Um, of my students, I have two goddaughters from former students of mine, which is amazing. I'm just amazing. And then um, I've been in four weddings of former students of mine. And that's crazy because I'm the old old dude in the group, you know, and they've got all their 20-something-year-olds I, I read for and served at, and I was even a bridesmaid for one of my students, and that just is crazy. So it's such an honor, cherish the privilege. So wait, is it seven weddings this summer? Seven this summer. And yes. I just got two more invitations in the mail yesterday. So eh, one's in September and one's in October. So count it summer, count it fall. It's going to be nine before Christmas, unless there's people I don't know about yet. So over the course of 40 years, how many? Too many. <laughs> <laughs> For my budget, but I go when I can. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that speaks volumes to, to who you are. And, and what you mean to your students. And uh, in fact, I know that there is a day in Raleigh named by the governor, right? By the governor mayor. or the mayor? The mayor of Raleigh, the Mindy Sofer Day. Is that, is that correct? No, 
I aspire to earn that every day. Uh, it's based on service that I've given in the community. And um, part of that's because of the class that I teach is a nonprofit leadership and development class. And our class in the past 10 years has raised three and a half million dollars for local nonprofits. And I'm just so proud of the students for doing that. It's amazing the work they've been able to do. Excuse me. So part of that is for inspiring and the other part of it is for requiring because I do for the class require them, pardon me, to give 30 hours of service during the semester, but it's a service learning class. So the best way for them to learn what it's really like to be with a nonprofit organization is to get out there and roll up their sleeves and do the work. So that's all part of it. And the award was uh, a very gracious nod to me, but I think it, you know, it really belongs to the students. I believe there is also an award named after you for the Panhellenic group at NC State. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the Mindy Sofer Cup um, was created. It's a beautiful crystal um, loving cup about Yay big, weighs a ton. And the uh, Panhellenic sororities decided to name that after me for the top sorority on campus and scholarship, leadership, service, and values. Um, so that's tremendous that, that the students honored me with that. Just, just blows me away. Sorry, I feel a little choked up about it. But I get to give it away every year at halftime at the homecoming football game and be out there with the chancellor and everybody. and honor the group that has excelled in those values, which is really cool because those reflect my values. So it's nice. It's really nice. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Amazing. And I get to buy a new outfit for it every year too. So <laughs> kind of fun. Updates my fashion sense. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, the students here uh, often wear dresses and boots, which was not in my culture in Pennsylvania. And, uh, so they encouraged me to go out and get a pair of boots. And my, my good friend, TJ Sullivan, was kind enough to gift me with a pair of red cowboy boots. So that's what I wear at homecoming on the football field now with my dress. That is fantastic. And for those who don't know, NC State, which is where you've been teaching for more than 20 years, um, is the wolf pack and it's red and black. So red, yes, that's the wolf. Um, and that is so perfect for, for that game because uh, for any of the games, because it's, it's red, but also uh, it, for me, I think it's fantastic because Queens of Moxie is all about that sass and that pizzazz and, and claiming your power. And, um, and what I'd like to do now is, is kind of shift our conversation a little bit to talk about some of the things that you've overcome, because there are a lot and so much of what we've talked about already came after the adversity that you have seen in your, in your lifetime and um, everything from, from getting divorced to, to cancer five times. So talk to us a little bit about what, what that journey was like when I met you you were, this was over 20 years ago, hard to believe. I re vividly remember sitting in the orientation for those of us who were teaching public speaking and you had a floral dress on and a cute straw hat with, I think a ribbon around it or something covering your bald head. And uh, it, was, it was obvious 
that you either were going through chemotherapy or had just finished it. And we ended up being able to share a desk and then share an office. And so um, our history goes, goes far back, but tell us a little bit about that, that adversity that you faced. I got really lucky to meet you, but then to share the desk with you and to share some of those cancer stories with you. So you were a real gift. Uh, you still are, but at that point in time, it was like angels right from heaven. There's Mary Kay. And um, I was very fortunate and very blessed that you happened to be that angel there at that time. So I want to give that back to you. Oh, thank you, honey. It's always a pleasure to work with patients. Well, for sure. Okay. Mush, mush, mush. Okay. <laughs> um, I was at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia, and working with student athletes at the time, and a colleague of mine who I'd worked with on the volunteer level as a fraternity advisor from here at NC State called me and said, we're opening up a new office. We'd had fraternities on campus for 70 years. Um, he said, we're opening up a new office for Greek life specifically because the organizations were split up among volunteers in the community. And uh, he said, we're looking for somebody seasoned to come in and run the department. And I don't have my master's degree, so I'm not eligible to do that, but I would be the assistant to that person. He'd been here for six or eight years. And then before that had graduated from here as an undergrad. So he had cred um, and experience, but he said, I want, we want somebody seasoned. That's a code word for old um, <laughs> to come in and run the department. So it ended up getting down to another colleague of ours, a friend and I, um, who came in to interview, I went out and speaking of Moxie, I went out and bought a red suit. Who goes out and buys a suit, let alone a red one back in the day? I was interested in the job. We'll just say that. Um, and I came down and interviewed and um, the gentleman who would eventually become my boss, amazing question, steal it, please. He asked me during the interview, he said, what could I tell you that would send you running away from Raleigh, never wanting to hear about NC State ever again. And, you know, I believe in God and my faith kicked me in the head and said, the answer to me, I wasn't me, it was definitely spiritual. Said, um, I said to him, well, Dr. Lockadoo, I think it would be that my body would not be able to keep up with what my mind knows needs to happen. I got, the, that was my birthday that year. The interview day, we were sitting at Applebee's and he said, okay, okay. And I got the job a week later. And two months after that, I was here a month after that. And two months after that, to the day, I found a lump on my breast. I went in and had it checked and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So what's that telling me, right? The interesting thing is, again, I believe God is in all this. The other job that I was in at Old Dominion, I loved. It was fabulous. It was created for me, and I created a position through the NCAA that was, um, I was the first one in it, and I created the job at, at Old Dominion. But because it was created for me, I got a good salary but there were no benefits included. So she raised the salary for me so I could pay my healthcare, it equated. So if you think about it, I moved to NC State and I got a, a nice salary. I got 
state benefits, including health care and retirement. I didn't have retirement up there either. And once I was diagnosed and I had my first surgery on 9999, just so I could remember it, it was my big sister's birthday and she was there for me at the surgery. And um, the bills started coming in. And I realized not only was I fighting cancer, but had I not been in this job, in this place, with this kind of healthcare, in this community, and this kind of community surrounding me, I would have been paying an awful lot of money out of my pocket, um, which frankly, oftentimes got me more down than the cancer diagnosis and the cancer treatment itself. It was just excruciatingly painful to look at those bills and think about paying them on my own without the state benefits. So just one other little tidbit to know about cancer is that that can be the financial stuff, pressure and uh, just balance, managing the finances of it can be pretty icky. So just so, another blessing, right? Another right. blessing. Right. So you had cancer in 99. 99.99, right. And then you beat it. Beat it after two and a half years of chemotherapy and radiation. Mm -hmm. And then 18 months went by and I felt something else. And we went back in and we did all the scans and everything else. And it was back and it had metastasized into my lymph system. And I had a spot behind my sternum and another spot down underneath my left breast. Uh, and one other spot someplace down low, a little bit lower than that. So we did radiation that round that lasted about a year. Then things went away and everything was good for about two and a half years. And then back in again, I went and we had some more spots and I took pills that time, a chemotherapy drug called Zoloda. Amazing. Uh, side effects suck, um, but it worked. That was another year and a half. Uh, then we had about three years with no cancer. And then I was diagnosed with uterine cancer which I, the doctors still say there's no relationship. Um, but I don't know, they have to be kissing cousins as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I just figured gravity pulled it down. But <laughs> after that, I went in and made a major contribution to Duke's research in cancer by giving up all my girly parts and um, say goodbye to them. And I had chemotherapy and radiation both for about a year and a half after that. Yeah, so all that time, I, um, you know, cancer patients pray for five years, and that's supposed to be the landmark. I never had a five-year period. It was a year and a half, two and a half years, three years, and just kept going back. So at this point in time, I'm happy to say, other than the skin stuff, uh, which I really don't count. Um, <laughs> that's why you said four versus five. <laughs> yeah, I've been cancer free for five years, three months, four days, seven hours, and 15 minutes right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we're counting on it being that way. If, 
if I get killed, I'd rather be hit by a bus at this point in time because it would have wasted all that effort we put forward towards fighting cancer. But um, my father passed away from melanoma and my mother passed away from uh, bladder cancer. And my grandmother passed away from breast cancer. So, it, you know, it's just a matter of time. But um, yeah, I feel pretty, pretty fortunate, pretty blessed. And pretty much my doctor says I'm a miracle. I said, I'm not a miracle. You're a miracle. Um, and relating back to my job, students and colleagues here, um, what better environment to be in. Uh, they've done a lot to keep me alive and keep me kicking. And I'm too ornery to give up anyway. So there you have it. <laughs> Thank you for helping be the team that keeps me going. Oh my gosh. You have inspired so many people and are, are such a delight. And I know that because you're my dear friend. And, um, but as we said earlier, the, the recognition that you have received over the years, and I think there's more I don't know about, um, but <laughs> yeah, see, you're just not going to share those, but those are pretty big ones that, that you've got there um, are a testament. To, to what you have, have done. Um, you know, Queens of Moxie is all about empowering and helping women who are in midlife, who are going through a personal transition to reclaim their power. And when you think about the adversity that you faced, the cancer, you know, over, gosh, however many years that was, that you, you know, I know going in for those PET scans was scary every single time because you never knew when the next shoe would fall. What would you say to women about being authentic, owning who they are, following their passions, being, pouring into not only others, but pouring into themselves so that they can really shine and, and fill their, their dreams and their destiny. What, what would you say about that? I'd say you're a really good role model for me, first of all. Secondly, I would say thank you for bringing Queens of Moxie into being, since it's been a, a brainchild of yours, whatever you called it at the time, it's iterations, but it's a, been, a, been a brainchild of your heart for a while. So thank you for yeah. making it happen. Um, I would, I would, say, take it however is best for you to take it. Um, but my cancer, I believe, was a gift. And when I chose to look at it as a gift, it became more of a giving thing to me. And when I became more grateful for it as a gift, more blessings flowed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, the people that it brought into my life, the patients that it brought into my life. And I thought I was a pretty patient person, you know, until I had to wait in line naked for a trip on the metal slab that, you know, laying there naked in front of everybody. Um, the, the endurance and relationships and patience and knowledge and community and the uh, The grit, uh, I think, are all very important. But approach is critical. And once I made the decision that cancer was a gift, my whole viewpoint changed. It wasn't for me anymore. It was, thank you. What bring it more? What more can I learn from this journey? And what amazing people 
can you bring into my life cancer? Bring it. Um, because every person I learned something from and um, every test, you know, I talked to the people who were administering them about their experience and why they chose what they chose and uh, honored them for doing what they were doing. And just, you know, I, if, had I been sitting around in a pity party for myself, I do not recommend that. There's time to feel sorry for ourselves, yes. But had I chosen to wallow in that and not take advantage of the amazing opportunities that were out there for me to learn, grow, and make the world a better place, you know, I, wow, what a lot of, what a lot I would be missing on, missing out on, and the chance to encourage others to get through it too. You know, a lot of my students have come up to me with, their moms or grandmas or whoever are having cancer. And their big question is, what do I say to them? What do I do for them? How, how can I help? Yeah. So I wouldn't have known that had I not been through that. Right. I would say your Queens of Moxie friends that are listening are probably uh, types of humans that are not prone to ask for help. I agree. Fair, right? Yes. Because um, that shows a, weak, a weakness. I now see it as a strength. I agree. I have enough confidence in myself and the people that I'm around that I can ask them for what I need. Right. And if I need my nose wiped or my behind wiped and I can't do it, I better ask for it or I'm going to be pretty smelly and snotty. Right. <laughs> um, what? I never would have imagined some of the things that I asked for help with. And again, more blessings flowed from those kinds of things because it was an opportunity in the vulnerability, right? Allowing myself to be vulnerable, right? Here's a big one. Um, that growth, a lot of growth and amazing relationships came from that. And the other part of that, Mary Kay, I'm sorry, I'm just babbling so much. You're great. Um, the other part that comes from that in that vulnerability reflects on my favorite quote um, from Gibran. So take it uh, as I give this gift to you. Um, Khalil Gibran wrote in The Prophet, a famous old book, Worth It, said the deeper sorrow carves into your being, very visceral, the deeper sorrow carves into your being, the more room there is for joy to fill it. Mm. And that sorrow of, I can't handle this, please help me. Or that sorrow of loss of control or of stature or of health or whatever that might be, Queens of Moxie, those feelings of loss, the deeper sorrow and loss carves into that being, viscerally ugh, carves into your being that leaves more room for joy to fill it. So choose joy. That's the bottom line. Choose joy, choose it as a gift to learn from it. And um, that would be my advice. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. It really is. It works. Beautiful. That's the best part. It works. Yes, yes. And, and um, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I, I, I have to reflect on um, looking at things that are challenges in our lives as gifts. And I was just talking about this with one of my dear friends, Monica, about my car accident, you know, oh. it was just over a year ago. 
And I, I look at what happened, uh, hitting a car going 60 miles an hour, rolling, having my head split open and having a traumatic brain injury. I I like to say I had a brain vacation for a year. Um, (laughs) Cause that's really basically what happened is my brain went on vacation for a year, but that experience opened up a world for me and provided the space to create Queens of Moxie, to follow my passion of really helping others and, uh, and, and slowing down, getting off that ridiculous treadmill that we get on. And uh, I was forced to do that. And because of that, I have all of these beautiful, wonderful things that have happened in my life and this centeredness and groundedness and joy, absolute joy, because I'm doing what I've been called to do. And I love doing this. And And you do it so well too. Thank you. Thank you. But I wouldn't have done it. I've been called to do it for probably 20 years, but I would not have had I don't think I would have had the guts to do it. And when you are faced with a life-threatening injury or illness or, or something in your life that just rocks you to your core, it helps you to stop and take stock of things and assess things and make, make decisions about what's the most important. That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love for us to leave the, the podcast today with, if you, were to look into the future, if you were to create your, your bucket list, what would be the top three things that you want to do while you're here on this earth? I'm doing them. I'm doing them. Some people want to jump out of an airplane. That's never been my thing. If that opportunity comes up, that's fine. Um, Before my mother died, uh, she said that I should definitely go to Hawaii and I should definitely go on a cruise. So I've done the cruise a couple of times. Thank my friends and the good Lord. Um, I, you know, I'd like to go to Hawaii, but I, I will live if I don't. The funny <laughs> part is a lot of our students who've graduated this year, past two years, I guess, when they started traveling again after COVID, have gone to Hawaii when they graduated. So the funny part is a lot of them will send me postcards or pictures or they'll bring me back treats. And I feel like I've been there for as many as many people who have gone lately. I'll live if I don't get to go to Hawaii. It'd be nice. But truly, I don't have a bucket list anymore. I have a live today, live for as best that I can make out of today, give what I am able to give in time and love money and wedding gifts and uh, <laughs> those sorts of things. Communicate and share my love every chance I get. Um, you know, and the rest doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it every single day. And that that's not a bad thing if, for people to have bucket lists. Go for it. Freaking go for it, you know? Yeah. But I try to live with no regrets and realize that each day is, in fact, a gift. And um, I don't want to put my head on a pillow and, and wish I would have done something. So I'm, I'm good. God hits me with a bus tomorrow. I've lived a good life and I just feel bad for the people that have to clean out my apartment. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. <laughs> but, 
Um, I'm working on that too, but I feel very blessed. And I appreciate that taking that chance with you today to reflect on some of that. And again, just thank you for the important, crucial, critical part that you played in my healing and my coming to grips with um, what my life's all about, particularly the cancer journey and everything that we've shared together. Um, some of the other things we have in common, sharing your kids with me, what a sacred trust, um, sharing your professional journey with me. I have grown from everything you've done and I miss sharing a desk with you because we used to leave each other little fun notes that would be so uplifting. So let, let, let me thank you again and, and give you some juice for having this for so many amazing women out there that I know that you're trying to, to reach and allow me to be a part of it. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Oh, you're, you are a blessing to everyone who knows you. And I know that those who listen today um, are, are going to feel really blessed and honored to have been a part of this, this conversation. So thank you so much, Mindy. We, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on the Queens of Moxie podcast. Each week we come to you with amazing women who have overcome obstacles, who are living their best life and reclaiming their moxie. We hope to see you next week.